0: Welcome. Happy New Year. Who stayed up to midnight? Oh, really? You guys are... Oh, my gosh. Sorry, I'm just a bit shocked. (laughs) And you still made it to church. That's fantastic. Um, Welcome. Sorry. As you're all aware, three weeks before Christmas, I started looking at the titles given to Jesus by the prophet Isaiah from chapter 9, verse 6. I did this as for a while now, we've been considering this great question. Who is Jesus? I started this a long time ago because I said Jesus is central to us as Christians. He is vital for our Christian faith. Even though Isaiah didn't know it at the time, he wrote this prophecy about this child being born. (coughs) Sorry. Okay, I'm going to have to do this. We now do. We now know That this was a prophecy about our Lord Jesus Christ. So we can understand that if we were to ask Isaiah who Jesus was, he would say he is going to be unique and he's going to be very special. So unique and special that he will have the names Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. We've covered those and today we move on to Prince of Peace. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we just thank you for that uh, we have a new beginning, a new year. But I thank you that every day as Christians, every minute as Christians, we have new starts in you. I thank you, Father, for the titles that were written in this book many years before our Lord was born. Father, I pray that as we open up and look at this word today, may you bring encouragement to us and challenge us as well in how we live our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. What a great name, Prince of Peace. How lucky are we to have Jesus come to this earth as the Prince of Peace? But let me ask you this. How does our world go with peace? Do we live in a peaceful world? Now, obviously, there are times in our lives and in our world we're places of peace, There are plenty of nice lookouts around the place. You can go camping and have real serenity. You can go to beaches and everything like that. And um, there are times when you can experience real peaceful places. But I can't help but think we live in a world where there seems to be very little peace. Don't we? Seriously. Turn on the news. You will see things like shootings, stabbings, fights, wars. This is why I think most people would say we live in a world that is filled with things like war, conflict, turmoil, confusion and disorder rather than peace. I remember growing up and learning about the Anzacs in school, but I'll never forget talking to my grandfather about it. He told me his stories of wartime. You see, he was a market gardener in Adelaide, so he didn't have to go to war. But the army could come and take whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted From his garden. He talked about boarding up windows and doors so that light couldn't be seen from above. I remember saying to him, Grandad, I'm glad we'll never have a war again. (laughs) Little did I know. According to the United Nations website, Australia has been actively involved in peace operations for over 75 years. We have provided military and police personnel to 62 nations and other joint peace missions since 1947. And today, it continues. We currently, today, have around 3,500 soldiers involved in 12 different peace operations in places like Sudan, India, Pakistan, Iraq, and Afghanistan. So when you look at websites like this, When you turn on the news stories, you would be right in concluding that instead of peace, war and conflict seem to be the natural thing of this world. Think of this for a moment. Can you imagine what it would be like to live in a world with no war, no fighting, no family arguments, no disputes of any kind? None of us can really picture or understand what a world like that would be like because we've never experienced it or anything close to it. Now, just before you get too discouraged, always remember Jesus said in Matthew 24, 6, you will hear of wars and rumours of wars, but see to it you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. But even though Jesus said war must happen in this age, it's still no surprise to anyone that war, conflict or any type of fighting isn't a nice thing. In fact, some go as far to say war, conflict and fighting always destroys whatever chance we have of ever having peace in this world. No wonder peace seems to be something that most people want. The desire for it is so well known, so much so that there's that cliche answer to the common question, if you could have one thing, what would it be? So many people say, oh, world peace. But as much as it's desired, world peace seems to be an impossible quest. People throughout the centuries have talked about peace, but few, if any, have ever actually had a plan that has worked to bring peace to this world. Well, let me ask you this Does Jesus come into that category? Has Jesus failed? I mean, think about it. We've had this promised Prince of Peace come and been around for 2,000 years. Has anything changed in the Peace Department? Well, I guess with what we just looked at, you'd have to conclude that despite the fact that Jesus has already come as our Prince of Peace, in this world, there's still no peace. Or if this peace Isaiah is talking about, does it happen at the second coming? Is that when it all takes place? Well, you guessed it. If we are to understand what on earth is Isaiah saying here, what is this Prince of Peace all about? Then we need to know the meaning of it. I'm not sure what images or pictures come to you when you hear the word peace. But, you know, we have some common sayings that are tied up with our human understanding of peace. This was my mum's favourite. She always asked for this. Peace and quiet. It's true. Peace, is it true that peace is about quietness? Once it's all quiet, is that when peace is about? Well, I can promise you no. I'm sure you have done this or you've been in the situation where you're fighting or angry with someone and you receive or give the silent treatment. You cannot talk to someone for two or three days, especially in marriages. It's quiet but there's no peace. You can cut the air with a knife. Another one is peace and tranquility. It's true, is it true that peace is all about calmness? Go and sit by a beach, try and calm yourself. I know that in counseling, we tell people what's one of the most important things with anxiety or anything like that is breathe, breathe. But do you know what? You can be peaceful and try and calm yourself But your mind is still going so fast. Just be calm, Garth. Just be calm, Garth. Just be calm, Garth. My head is exploding even though it is calm. Then we have the saying, no war, no peace. I've seen people protest against war and some carry posters that say, if there is war, there is no peace. If there is no war, then there's peace. Here, the term peace has been clearly connected with the absence of war or absence of fighting. Is that what peace is? Is peace no fighting? Well, no, because I'm sure you've had kids and you've been fighting and you can send them off to their rooms. They stop fighting, but it's not a peaceful household, is it? You can be fighting with your partner and go separate ways. There's no fighting happening because you're at either end of the house, but it's not peaceful. And then my favourite, rest in peace. Peace comes after death. I remember my brother's comment when my grandfather died and my brother went and visited um, and viewed my grandfather's dead body. It's the first time he ever saw a dead body and he was in his 30s. And I remember asking him, Royce, what was it like? How'd you go? How'd you cope? And he said, oh, Garth, it was so good. Grandpa looks so peaceful. I was thinking, he's dead. How much more peaceful can he look? I remember a pastor friend of mine made a comment where well, he was in our group, and his mum had pancreatic cancer. She died a horrible death. She suffered for a year and a half. And he said, when she died and he saw her dead he felt reunited to his peaceful mother. So when we look at all these silly sayings, it's no wonder we struggle with the word peace. But let me tell you, when the word peace was used in the Old Testament, there's no confusion whatsoever. So what's its meaning? When we look at the word that is used in the Old Testament for peace, I'm sure you're all aware the word is shalom. Shalom is such a powerful word. Shalom means so much more than peace and quiet, peace and tranquility or the absence of conflict or war, and it doesn't even mean resting in a dead state. For sure, shalom is used to describe the end of conflicts, but the word itself also carries different kinds of meanings and pictures. Shalom means this. It means to have a whole and full life of health Wholeness, harmony, and completeness. When you wish shalom upon someone, that is what you are wishing. To have shalom is not only to have a quiet life. To have shalom is not only to have someone not fighting. To have shalom is to have a fulfilled life in every way. That is what the word means. When you have shalom, there is a sense of harmony and oneness. When you have shalom, you're in a state of ease and safety. You know your purpose and you have a sense of the wholeness and completeness in your life. Everything is exactly where it should be. Nothing is out of order. Your inner world as well as the outer world are in harmony with one another. There is no feeling of harm, of hurt. There is no worry or fear whatsoever when you truly have shalom. This is shalom. This is the real peace. This is the Prince of Peace that Isaiah spoke about. This is the peace that Isaiah promised that Jesus would bring. This health, wholeness, harmony and completeness is what Isaiah promised he would bring to the world. And this fulfilled life in every way is what Isaiah promised Jesus would bring to us as Prince of Peace. But again, has he done it? Or has he failed? I mean, how good would it be to have Jesus here and ask him that very question? How good would it be to stick this microphone underneath his nose and ask, Hey, you're meant to be this great prince of peace, but I look around this world and I don't see much peace at all? How good would it be to know his response? How good would it be to know what he'd say to that? Well, I want to say to you today in a way, we have his response. In a way, we do know his answer. And his answer, we can see how we can experience this peace. I believe his answer wouldn't change from when he was asked the same question when he walked this earth. And he said this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Make sense? Maybe not. This is what our Prince of Peace says about peace. It's a staggering comment. It tells us so much about peace and what he has about it, his understanding about it and how we achieve it. I want to pull it apart for you and give us some things to take home with us today. Because the first thing this Prince of Peace tells us is this, peace is given. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Isn't it great when people leave us with things? I remember as a kid, one of my friends in primary school um, got a Christmas present and he got this gun. It was a machine gun and you pulled this lever and you pressed the the trigger and it made the sound of this machine gun. How times have changed. I love playing with it. But do you know what? Whenever he left my house, I got upset because whenever he had to go... The gun had to go as well. But one day my friend said to me, Garth, I'll leave my gun here today. You can have it for the weekend. So I got to enjoy it more. Boy, that was great. I shot and annoyed my brothers the whole weekend. I was lucky the gun didn't get returned to my friend broken. I got to keep that gun and play with it and own it and use it because the owner left it with me. Jesus promised to leave us peace and not just any peace. It was His peace. It was shalom. The peace He gives is perfect peace. It is the same peace He had while He walked this earth. The peace and confidence He had when He faced all His trials, He now gives to us. The question has to be asked is how does He give us this peace? Well, firstly, His peace is given to us by his presence. We have his presence through the promise of the Holy Spirit. His peace is also given and supplied to us by his power. And what a power. By his power, he stilled the troubled sea. By his power, he brought peace to many troubled heart. His peace is supplied and given to us through prayer. Having someone special in our lives to talk to does bring peace. Talking to someone can lift us. Talking to someone can change us. Talking to someone can help us see our circumstances differently. Well, make no mistake. That special someone you can talk to is Jesus as the Prince of Peace. Pray to him. Remember, he's not just the Prince of Peace. He's the wonderful counsellor. He knows you better than you know yourself. When you pray to him, his peace is given to you. How do you know this? By his promise, he says, I give. My peace, I give to you. The next thing he says about peace is this. The peace he's given is different. To describe this peace, Jesus says what he isn't giving. He says, I'm not giving you or leaving you with peace like the world gives. What do we see in the peace that the world offers? Well, we just talked about a lot of it. We just had a look at the way the world views peace and how obscure it is. But do you know what? There are some great problems with the world's peace. And the first one is this. Jesus says the world's peace is artificial. Imagine if I sold you a watch, a Rolex watch, and I promised you Guys, this is genuine, this is the real deal, and you gave me top dollar for it. But once you went and got it checked out by a jeweller, you found out I sold your fake. What would you do? No doubt you'd get angry and demand your money back, and so you should, because what you had on your wrist isn't real. Well, that's what the world's peace is. It's fake, it's not real. So you know what that means? like most fake things we get in life, it won't last very long. The peace the world offers won't last. It breaks. Why? Because it doesn't come from a genuine source. It's artificial. The peace the world offers also doesn't come from a genuine source. Most time this peace the world offers comes from something you drink, something you smoke or something you take. Or the world will tell you the more you have the more peace you'll have in your life. Sure, at times, things can give us a sense of peace, but it's not real. They're artificial. This type of peace is born out of escapism. It is born out of trying to get away or out of reality. It's not genuine. It changes our outside more than it changes our inside. The peace the world offers is focused on changing our circumstances. Hence all those things about peace and quiet, peace and tranquility. They're all about making you happy, being peaceful for a while. But it's not real. Whatever the world is offering you in peace is artificial. On the other hand, Jesus' peace is real and it's eternal and it will last forever. The peace the world gives may change your circumstances. The peace Jesus gives will change you. God's peace is real and can be realised when we depend upon him. So the first thing to understand, the world's peace is artificial. The second thing he says, it is superficial. The peace the world offers is shallow. Not only does it come from the wrong source, it's also directed to the wrong part of the body. It's shallow because most peace the world is trying to offer you is applying to the mind. The world peace is designed to put your mind at rest. Jesus' peace isn't really interested in that. Jesus' peace is not shallow because it's directed not towards your mind, it's directed towards someone else, somewhere else. And dare I say, to the right part of your body where you need peace. Jesus' peace is designed for our hearts. Let your hearts not be troubled. The heart is the place that needs peace when we're in turmoil. The heart is the place where we hurt. It's not superficial. It's not... God God isn't there to try and change your circumstances. He's there to change you. He's there to reach in and give you peace at the heart. And the third thing is it's fragile. The world's peace is fragile because it's fake, because its foundation isn't stable. The world's peace is broken quickly and easily. However the peace that Jesus is built on the foundation of his own life and his own character. It's sad that many in this world get gypped or tricked into buying things or accepting things that are fake, And they will get angry and demand the fake thing be fixed. Yet so many just accept the faith peace the world offers. They accept it and live in it. A peace that is artificial, superficial and fragile. No wonder there is so much sadness around and brokenness in this world. They're going to the wrong source. But it should not be that way. Not only does Jesus say his peace is given and different, he also states this in that sentence. My peace is useful. The last thing Jesus says about his peace is the result it brings. He says, when you have my peace, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. How useful is that? This perfect peace comes and helps us go through life and not be afraid. We can know all about how useful this peace is, but it won't mean much until we use it. But how do we use it? Jesus' peace is used by faith. Faith in God, faith in Christ, faith in the Holy Spirit, faith to know that he who promised this peace is faithful. As I mentioned, the peace of Jesus is designed to change our hearts. Scripture tells us, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. We need to open our hearts to that peace. This peace of Jesus is used when we let it rule our hearts. When we do that, we see how useful this peace really is. When we allow the Prince of Peace to rule in our hearts, we truly see what effect this Prince of Peace can have and change our lives. I'm not sure if it's true but I used to always say it was on the internet, so it must be true. But I remember reading a story of a rich man and he wanted to have a painting to describe peace and he wasn't able to find one to satisfy him. So he decided to have a contest and he offered a big prize of money to an artist who could produce this painting. It went on, the opening there was a couple of months and of course artists got inspired and really keen to be a part of this. And finally the day came where everyone was at the mansion and all the paintings were to be revealed. With a room full of artists and onlookers, the rich man uncovered painting after painting. Some contained images of mirror smooth lakes along grassy shores. Others reflected lacy green hills under beautiful sunsets. Others had flocks of sheep that grazed in the skyline. Others had beautiful sunsets along golden sandy beaches with crystal blue water. All of these, you could say, were a masterpiece of peace. However, none of them won. When it came for the rich man to uncover the painting which he presented and said, this is the painting of perfect peace, This is the painting that won. Now, I know you're probably thinking, probably as everyone else is thinking in that room, this isn't a painting of perfect peace. I mean, the waterfall is violently throwing down a rocky cliff, so much so that you can almost feel its cold spray. The sky isn't a nice blue, it's a horrible stormy grey with clouds exploding with lightning. So how does this resemble peace? I mean, for me, the only way this painting can resemble peace is the peace you feel when you get out of that situation and you're back home safely. Did he get it wrong? Well, no. This is why he chose this painting. In the midst of this thundering, noisy, bitter storm, in this vista of violence, the artist painted this. The rich man told the crowd it was this picture of this bird sitting in her nest with her eyes closed and her wings covering her little ones, content and undisturbed of her stormy surroundings, that for him made this painting the picture of perfect peace. This was a peace that was evident in the midst of a storm. This was a peace that was evident in the midst of turmoil and thrashing happening all around it. Is this the type of thing we think of when we hear the word peace? Chances are no. I think perhaps that's the problem why we don't have peace in our world. We have the wrong definition of peace. You see, most people see peace as the absence of life's turmoils, fights, noise or storms. But God has sent us a Prince of Peace. When we look at the life of Christ, it was not characterised by peace and quiet. It was not characterised by peace and tranquility. It was characterised by a lot of conflict, a lot of difficulty, a lot of hurt, a lot of fighting. During his life, Jesus had to endure extreme stresses many times. People say that the true test of your character comes when you're under stress. Well, this is definitely true for Jesus. Amidst all his stress, amidst all his difficulties, the overriding character he had in his life was confidence, was peace. Regardless of what Jesus was going through, regardless of what situation he was in, he was confident that he would win in the end because he knew he had the Father. So peace isn't the absence of turmoil, fights and storms. Peace isn't confident. Peace is confidence within the storm. Peace is health, wholeness, harmony and completeness a fulfilled life in every way, regardless of the storms and turmoils that are going on around you. No wonder Paul wrote those words that Dennis read out before. Do not be anxious about anything. Instead, in everything, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, tell your request to God. And what happens? And the shalom that passes all understanding will guard your what your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus I think it was Matthew Henry that said it is not possible to have peace with God without having peace with God Our prince of peace has come so that we can have peace a peace that touches our hearts a peace that is not artificial superficial or fragile it is a peace that is given and it is given forever. It is a peace that is different. We know what it's not and it is a peace that is useful. It brings shalom, it brings health, wholeness, harmony, and completeness. A fulfilled life in every way where Jesus can say, This peace I leave with you, you got it, so you don't have to be afraid. When we begin to receive it and live it in Jesus. He will bring us strength and comfort, regardless of the stresses, regardless of the storms, regardless of the waterfalls, regardless of the lightning, the thunder. You will have peace. Seek the Lord and his peace. And then you will have peace that, as Paul says, passes all understanding. How can you have peace in the midst of turmoil? How can you have peace in wars? Because it's not the world's peace. It is shalom. I finish with Numbers 6, 24 to 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you shalom. That is what he wrote. Just before I close in prayer, I just want to say that um, in uh, the last Sunday in January, we're having a baptismal service. I don't know if you've ever been baptized by immersion. I don't know if you've, God is working in your life to have it done. But if you would like to be a part of that day, then please see one of the elders, and we can give you a form. Also, as many of you are aware, straight after this service, whew, Garth is heading to Adelaide. Um, Garth and Michelle are got two weeks off, and um, and I am quite excited about that. But you know, not that I want to embarrass them, but there is some, there are people that. Um, I'm actually really excited for, and that's Sony, David, and Jody, they're going back to India in a week's time, and Sony hasn't seen her family for four years, and so I really do pray for them. I pray that as they go, and um, I pray that it's a special time. So I see that they've ducked out because I said I was going to mention them, but Jody's still at the back. Have a great holiday. Have a great trip, and um, please know we're praying for you, and I can't wait to hear your stories when you get back. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, I thank you for your word. And Lord, your word is given to challenge us, but to encourage us. Father, you have sent your son to die for us. Jesus, I thank you that you chose to walk that path and you chose to be our Prince of Peace. Mighty God, everlasting father and wonderful counsellor. Father, I pray for Wes and Dennis as they stand up and preach next, over the next couple of weeks. I pray for that would be a great time. I pray that as a church we'll grow together as that happens. And, um, and Father, we just really want to say thank you for a new year and we look to you. Father, we don't know what the future holds this year, but we know who holds the future. And Lord, we thank you for that. May we have this peace. with, Regardless of what's going on around us, we can know shalom in our lives. And it is only because of Jesus that we can have that and his name we pray. Amen.